Welcome to the podcast of Pastor Joseph Castillo from All Nations International Fellowship. Enjoy this podcast while you're doing household chores, riding your car, or even your morning devotions. I trust the living word of God to change your life forever. Visit us online at www.anifbeijing.com. chapter 11 verse 1 you don't have to go there but we know that faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen we realize that faith is a substance if you look at mark chapter 11 verse 24 you'll find the famous faith scripture i was listening to a a pastor and he was saying that Every year, Dr. Fred Price used to come down to, to uh, Tulsa, I believe, and he would teach faith. And every single year, he would teach from the same exact verse. And every single year, Fred Price would come and teach from the same verse. It felt like it was the first time they had ever heard this message before in their life because he was so filled with revelation. Now, Fred Price, I believe his son, leads his church, Crenshaw Christian Center, in Los Angeles, California, Crenshaw, L.A. But it's, a, it's something else that every year he would come and preach the same verse, but it just, just unpack it in a way that it was like the first time you ever heard in your life. Amen? Mark chapter 11, verse 20. Let's look at 20, 20 verse 20, Mark eleven twenty. 20. It says, In the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. So what happened was the day earlier, Jesus went by this fig tree and he went to get some fruit on the tree. And when he saw that there was no fruit, he cursed that fig tree from the roots. So now it's the next day and they saw that this fig tree is dried up from the roots. In verse 21, Peter calling to remembrance said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. Jesus answering saith unto him have faith in god what this speaks to me is have communion with god you know it's hard to have faith in someone you're not close to have you ever played the trust game where somebody stands behind you and and then they tell you to fall to fall back and, and they say, like, okay, I got to trust that you're going to catch me, right? And they play that game. Companies, English schools, corporate companies, they all play this trust game in order to build team spirit amongst the, the staff. But the whole principle of it is you can't trust someone you don't know very well. So they even will have you stand up on top of the, the desk and then fall off, and, and you just have to trust they're going to catch you. You can't trust someone that you don't know. And knowing God is much more than just knowing the scriptures. Some people think there's Father, Son, and Holy Bible. But there's much more than Father, Son, and Holy Bible. There's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit is a person. He is the person that's actually with us. Jesus came in the flesh as God with us, but he went to heaven. Now who is God with us? Now Holy Spirit is God with us. 
parakletos, our helper, the one who's there with us. So by spending time with the Holy Spirit, you begin to build a relationship with him. You can build a relationship with him where you can trust him. My spiritual father, Dr. Lester Summerall, used to say, my spiritual grandfather, that faith is simply trusting God. But in order to trust God, you have to have communion with God. In order to trust Holy Ghost, you have to have communion with Holy Ghost. So Jesus said, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. Say in my heart. Shall not doubt in your heart. That means you have to have a lot of confidence in your relationship with God. That requires a lot of confidence to not doubt into your heart. That requires another level of confidence. When I was in Mongolia and I was holding the little crippled, they brought me several crippled babies, crippled children, four years old, five years old, can't walk, palsy, mentally handicapped. They're like, they're biting their hand. You know, I, I doubted in my heart. Absolutely. I'm like, oh, Lord. I saw them coming to me, and I was thinking, I'll oh, bring them to Bishop. <laughs> bring them to Sam. Bring them to anyone but me. Because in my heart, there was doubt in my ability to have faith for that child to be healed. And that all goes back to relationship. See, I have relationship myself with God close enough for some things, like my new Apple Watch. <laughs> I got blessed with that one, amen. You know, I'm getting food and training free. I mean, my relationship with God has produced some blessings, some miracles. I prayed for, we had a couple blind healed, a couple deaf here. My relationship with God has been able to produce enough trust in him that when I spoke to blindness, when I spoke to deafness, when I prayed for my needs, that God can meet those things. But my relationship is not at, you know, not that next level yet where I could take those cripples and get them healed. So I was building my relationship, praying a little bit more. Then I went to Philippines, and there's a man in a wheelchair. And now I'm a little bit more, a little bit more, you know, closer in my relationship with God. I'm closer in my trust with God. So a little bit more. So I went up to the wheelchair. I pulled him out of the wheelchair, and I, you know, tried to get him around a bit. And, and he got up a bit, and we didn't see a, a very instant miracle. Part of, the, part of the reason I pulled him up is because God gave me a date. So I'm in this meeting. There's maybe, I don't know, 60, 70 people. And God gives me a date, like November 24th or something. So I'm like, November 24th. God telling me November 24th. Whose birthday is November 24th? And the guy in the wheelchair is like me. I thought, oh, no. <laughs> Out of everybody here, the guy in the wheelchair. Oh, no, Lord. <laughs> Whoa, couldn't you give me somebody with a headache or something? That one I, I have faith for. But it's the guy in the wheelchair. So I said, all right, Lord, let's go, me and you together. I went down there, grabbed him, pulled him up, 
and he weighed like 180 pounds, and, and I had to hold up 180 pounds. I was holding him up. I'm trying to get him around, you know. I'm kicking his legs. I'm like, all right, Lord, it's time for you to move, you know. Well, some of you wouldn't even get that far because you don't have that much trust to even try, right? So I, I at least had a little bit of trust where I could try, but the point is, is we're growing, Jesus said to see these type of miracles, you cannot have any doubt in your heart. That requires a bold faith. Do you understand me? That requires a communion with God. The word communion, one of the root words of communion is the word union. Union with Christ is one of the principal teachings that the early church fathers after the apostle Peter, after the apostles had, had, had been killed, the early church father, the early couple church fathers, they taught a lot, volumes upon union with God, union with the Holy Spirit, oneness with Christ, the God-man. They brought forth the revelation understanding of what it means to, be, to know who you are in Christ, that he is with you and that you are with him and together you are one. It's the same teaching that John G. Lake dug up after thousands of years. And John G. Lake walked in great healing, miracle power to the point that when he was in Africa during the bubonic plague, he said, put that plague on my hand under the microscope and watch what happens. He said, the Zoe life of God that's in me, the God man, will kill the bubonic plague. And when they put the plague on his fingertips, you know the story, right? Under the microscope, the plague dissolved on his finger. Sickness and disease could not touch him. History is rife with stories of people that walked in union with God in an understanding of the God-man, the relationship of you and God and God in you. And that walked in great miracles, great miracles. If you study the miracles of the men and women of God through our church history. And there are people nowadays walking in this, and we're growing in these things. Amen? Amen. This is what Jesus meant when he said, have faith in God. In order to not have any doubt in your heart, you have to have an intimacy, a relationship with the Holy Ghost. And that doesn't come through prayer alone. Because praying without revelation can just cause you to go hoarse, lose your voice. Some people pray for three, four, five, six hours a day, screaming, spring and praying in tongues. Other people pray an hour, and they're literally having angelic experiences, going into the third heaven, revelation. They're, they're shaking under the power of God. Oil's dripping from their hands. Gold dust is falling from heaven. What's the difference between the guy who's laboring for six hours in prayer and the one who's, who's just, you know, experiencing God in a supernatural way? The difference is understanding your union with God, understanding your relationship with God, coming into intimacy with God, not just praying and screaming and yelling, but entering into a place where the Holy Spirit leads you into a fellowship with God. Let me step back. I know I'm standing in your, I'm standing in your face. All right. Amen? 
Do you understand me? I could pray and bang my head against the wall for six hours. But somebody else who knows who he is in Christ could come in by the blood of Jesus in 45 minutes to an hour and, 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 and just take off with God. Amen? Because one person is praying from a place of works, trying to reach God. The other person is praying from a place where they know that they're seated with him in heavenly places and they're the righteousness, the redeemed of God. And by faith, they're accessing through the blood, the doorway into the supernatural. Totally different things. It goes down to identity. So to have proper faith in God means you have to have a proper identity of who you are in God so you can approach him. The Bible says let us come boldly before the throne room of grace. That doesn't mean necessarily screaming into prayer, which I like screaming too, hallelujah, you know. But that, that means boldly in your faith, accessing it by faith. Not just saying by faith, but actually going somewhere in your spirit. Going into that place of intimacy with God. Where when you pray, there's no doubt in your heart. Now, I don't know about you, but I never have believed, and I don't believe that Jesus is exaggerating here. Some people believe that Jesus was preaching. Ha! He's preaching. And he got really excited. And he said, even if you talk to a mountain, bless God. That's not what happened. The words of Jesus Christ are not to be taken like an overexcited preacher. The words of Jesus Christ are to be taken as doctrine for reproof, for rebuke, for life, and for faith that you can not only live for, but you can also die for. And Jesus said that you can say to a mountain, that if you get to this, you can say to a mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. And if you do not doubt in your heart, the things which you saith shall come to pass. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. When I tell you, pray for your clothes, your watch, a car, shoes, I'm not saying that so you could be selfish. I'm saying that so you could practice that when you pray for the cripple boy, they'll be healed. That when you pray for the blind little girl, she'll be healed. Because you have practiced your communion with God. You have practiced your faith. You have practiced trusting God. You have made milestones. When the children of Israel had victories, when they had, when they had triumphs, God told them to mark that place, make a memorial in that place. Why did God tell them to do that? He told them to do that so they can go back and remember God's faithfulness, God's ability, God's deliverance. So when you pray for the small things in your life as a young Christian and you see God bless you with the best job you ever had and you see God bless you with a, a, a new pair of shoes or, 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 or a new visa or, or, or a business or, or whatever you're praying for, it could be as simple as you, 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 know, you don't have any money and you're praying someone would take you for dinner and you're sitting in your dorm room. 
And you're praying someone will come knock on the door and cheat you to some noodles downstairs. I've been a student before. Amen. It could be as simple as that. And you remember, God fed me in my dormitory. It's not selfish to pray for something like that. You're, you're building your faith. So when it comes time for you to pray for someone that's demon-possessed, so when it comes time to pray for someone's uh, husband who's drug-addicted, you know God gave you those noodles. You know God blessed you with those new shoes. Your shoes were torn up. You know God gave you that tuition that year. You know God has been faithful to answer the fervent, effectual prayers that you have prayed. And you have greater confidence in God. And now when you have somebody else that is needing from God, you have confidence to pray for them. Do you understand me? Amen? Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. We said that faith is a substance. Jesus saying, have faith in God. He was saying, have this substance. Have this confidence. Have this type of powerful relationship with God that you can believe God to do whatever it is, whatsoever things you desire. And we understand that that faith is built through relationship, through knowing the word of God, the logos, and then rhema coming from that logos we understand that faith comes from the heart jesus calls the heart the womb the good ground the spirit of a man and i'd like to take a closer look with you this week in mark chapter 4 mark chapter 4 starting verse 2 he taught them many things by parables and he said to them this doctrine say doctrine not just stories not over emotionalism but when jesus speaks he's speaking doctrine he said hearken behold there went out a sower to sow and it came to pass as he sowed some fell by the wayside and the fowls of the air came and devoured the seed up and some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. Say no depth of earth. We said that the womb, the good ground, the spirit of man, earth, are the same thing. You ever heard somebody call somebody shallow? Oh, they're so shallow. Some people are very shallow. They don't have a lot of depth in their spirit, man. They're literally very shallow. So it had no depth, no depth of earth. Verse 6. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, say no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no fruit. Yielded no fruit. And others fell on good ground. And did yield fruit. That sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, and some 100. And he said to them, he that has ears, let him hear. And then when he was alone, they 
that were with, about him, the twelve asked him of the parable. And verse 11, he said to them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. Amen? Jesus was wise. Some people, you just can't tell them the truth. You have to give them a parable and leave it at that. Amen? Because they're just not there to receive yet. But he said, I'm going to tell you what I'm talking about. Verse 12. And seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand, least at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. Verse 13, he said unto them, Know you not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? If you don't know and understand this parables, Jesus said you will not be able to understand anything else I'm going to preach to you. If you don't understand this parable, you will not be able to understand anything else in the word of God. You will not be able to progress anywhere else in your spiritual life unless you really understand this. In other words, this is the grandfather of all parables. This is the cornerstone foundational truth of all spiritual life and existence. And in this little parable, we can find each and every one of your lives. Eric is here. Jade is here. Joy is here. Sean is here. Andre is here. And all of you guys in the front row too. Myself, every one of us are in one of these grounds. You need to know which one you are. Do you hear me? There's stony ground. There's wayside ground. There's among thorns. And then there's good ground. Which one are you? Let's take a look. Which one are you? Verse 14. The sower soweth the word. We said that faith is made up of the word of God. Both logos and rhema. So the sower is sowing the word. The substance by which faith can be made is sown. Where is it sown into? In this parable is sown into the dirt. Jesus said that dirt represents your womb. Represents your heart. Represents your spirit. The spirit of a man. So the the substances that make faith up, which is ramos, rhema and logos, sown into your spirit man, into your dirt, into your ground, into your womb, into your spirit. And these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately to take away the word. What does Satan come for? The word. We had to stop the recording at that point, but you might be listening right now and you say, Pastor Joey, I wanted to pray that prayer. If I was there, I would have prayed with you. I'd like to pray right now, as a matter of fact. I'd like to give my life to Jesus Christ. I would like to have God in my life, and I'd like to know Jesus as my Savior and my Lord and surrender my life to Him. 
you know, repentance means to turn away from your way of doing things and to turn to God's way. We've done things our own way, like they used to say in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous. When I did the 12 steps, they said, your best decisions and your best ways of thinking and your best ways to handle life have gotten you to this situation. And now it's time to trust a higher power. Well, there is no higher power than the God of all the earth. His name is Jehovah. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And through him, you can turn from your way of doing things to his way. And his way is the right way because he made you. And he made you for a purpose. And he knows exactly what you need to pull out your potential to forgive you of your sins, deliver you from the things that keep you away from God in a sin and death cycle. And if you'd open up your heart to Him right now, together with me, God can begin a new work in your life. So just pray with me wherever you're at, whether you're driving your car, whether you're at home, uh, wherever you are, just, just pray with me and repeat after me. Say, Father, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me, forgive me of my sins, wash me in the blood of Jesus. I believe that your son died for my sins, and on the third day he was raised from the dead. From this day forward I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that prayer. I'd like you to contact me, and we can send you some more resources and materials that can help you start this new life, because this is the first day of the rest of your life. Email me at joe at nationsabroad.com, or email the church at nfcontact at gmail.com. And we'd love to speak with you and just correspond with you and put you on the right path. Maybe help you find some local churches there online or something. Or maybe we know some pastors there that could follow up with you and help teach you the Word of God. Thank you for listening. And feel free to download the other podcasts and just feed on the Word of God.